Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Business of Fun podcast. I'm your host, Dave Wakeman. Check me out on my website. It's www.davewakeman.com and get the Talking Tickets newsletter at talkingtickets.substack.com. Make sure you check out that website. There's going to be a lot of stuff coming up uh, leading into 2023 and then going into 2023 uh, around uh, strategy, marketing, branding uh, for venues, events, uh, performers, artists, uh, everything that has to do with the live entertainment industry. So we're going to hit that up. We're going to try to make you some more money, help you compete, win back your customers from the pandemic, and uh, still win some uh, ticket sales even if we do have a period of recession or some more turbulence. My guest today, though, let's not belabor this, are Krista Brown and Morgan Harper, and they are from the American Economic Liberties Project. And those are uh, people that are in the coalition that have brought together this hashtag breakup Ticketmaster campaign. Um, this is a area of interest to me because a lot of the work that I do around marketing, branding, and strategy, uh, really at the heart of it, it focuses on competition. So I have always been keenly aware of consolidation in markets, um, creating challenges. One of the reasons I love tickets in Europe and in the UK uh, is because of the nature of competition and how much more vibrant that makes the industry. Um, so we talk about all kinds of stuff uh, but on this episode, but it's all framed around this idea of competition. Um, for me, um, I go on a couple of tangents, I think, at certain points about competition and the importance and how I see it playing out in the industry. But I want you to know from the very start that that's my angle when I'm having this conversation is I'm looking at competition. Uh, that That's just sort of my nature. But Krista and Morgan are part of this coalition to break up Ticketmaster. And so we talked about uh, what is monopoly power uh, and what is a monopoly? Um, because the thing that they talk about very early on is that being a big business alone isn't necessarily bad and it doesn't necessarily mean that you need to be broken up. That's not necessarily true for everybody. And we get into that. We talk about why they're bringing this campaign out now. Like what things from brought about the desire to, you know, have the Department of Justice look into the Live Nation Ticketmaster merger and reopen this. Um, we talk about the consent decree and the um, adjustments made to the consent decree and how unusual that was. We talk about vertical integration. We talk about anti-retaliation measures. We talk about guidelines. We talk about junk fees. We talk about uh, pricing. We talk about what impact this might have on the secondary market. Uh, we talk about uh, some of the data that's present, uh, financial risk of artists and how um, not having more competition for uh, artist dates hurts the artists and hurts their careers. Um, we get into a whole lot of different stuff. This is a, probably a little of a technical thing on antitrust, but I think it's really like accessible for people who may just want to be uh, educating themselves about what the Breakup Ticketmaster campaign means, why it matters, um, you know, what it kind of means for the industry, or it just maybe starts off as a jumping point for further investigation. Uh, I, I was really grateful to have them on. I hope that this is something that um, you can, uh, you, you know, you like and uh, that it provides some value to you because it was a completely selfless or selfish, I might say, a selfish 
ask of them to come on for me to learn more about what they're doing and to put it in the larger frame of competition. So here's my conversation with Krista and Morgan on The Business of Fun. There we go. I would like to welcome Morgan Harper and Krista Brown. They want to break up Ticketmaster, and they, here they are on the Business of Fun podcast. Uh, I, I can't imagine we have anything really interesting to talk about. Uh, ladies, how's it going this morning? Good. Yeah. Good thank here. you for thank you for being here. Um, this is a, a pretty interesting thing that you're working on. Uh, I talk about monopoly power in my newsletters a little bit, and like the um, amount of competition in the market. Uh, I want to start out, though, by explaining to everybody what we're, we're talking about when we're talking about monopolies and what we're, and we're and specifically monopoly power and how, why it's bad. Because I've said it over and over again, uh, being a monopoly and being big is not the problem. It's when you use your power in a way that impacts or negatively impacts the market, um, controls, you know, sets price, uh, negative pricing patterns, uh, suppresses labor and wages. Those those are bad outcomes. Uh, you two are way closer to it than I am. And so I want to get uh, ask you for your definition and for you to explain it to my listeners from the start. So we have a basis for our conversation. Morgan, do you want to take it off? Great, Chris. Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll start and then uh, we can we can tag team this one. So, you know, again, Dave, thanks for having us. And and Chris and I both work for a nonprofit think tank called American Economic Liberties Project that is exclusively focused on tackling monopolies throughout the economy, which our research has shown do exist in a bunch of different market areas. Uh, one of our biggest fights to date has been in the big tech realm. So talking about Facebook and Google and how they dominate and, and use their power in anti-competitive ways. But um, but yeah, it's everywhere. And so we agree with you. And 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 by the way, I mean that's not it's not a given that everyone, even in the anti-monopoly space, does that big isn't necessarily bad, but big combined with anti-competitive tactics like coercive contracts, like you know, increasing prices like we're seeing right now with a lot of companies that are increasing prices beyond, you know, just the rate of inflation and taking advantage of their market, concentrated market power to hurt consumers, workers, small businesses. Um, that's what we're after because ultimately, you know, we don't really have a free market if entities like Live Nation Ticketmaster are able to do <clears throat> whatever they want. Uh, and and capture so much of the economic value in the in the market of live events and ticketing. Right. And so the other thing that we really focus on is that there's something we can do about all of this, which also you know doesn't always get enough attention. That we're not just beholden to these behemoths. That we have a government that has power and exercise to prevent monopolies from from doing this type of activity. Yeah, hey, Krista, do you have anything to add on that, or is that more? I think Morgan kind of hit it pretty pretty well. She did. Uh, yeah, good summary. Yeah. I, I like a little bit of slight indignation too. We, we don't. We can do something. That's it's good. And and it's uh only slightly joking. Slight slight indignation is my jam, Dave. I heard a uh, really good like description of it. It's like going, how do you turn uh, indignation into like righteous anger? And I was like, going, see, I think you were like getting there. I, I dug that. Um, <laughs> so why are you looking at this now, though? I mean, that, that's really what this comes down to. And, uh, you know, to give you a little context about how I view it is um, I've been, lo you know, looking at 
concentration of power across markets for a long time because, um, you know, I trained as a strategist and like, you know, like you were saying, across the industries and lack of competition has seems to me right. And again, I'm sure there's academics, there's plenty of academics or um, analysts and think tanks that'll tell you that, oh, there's no um, competition problem. But the lack of competition is dangerous because it suppresses wages, uh, it limits competition, which makes us not just not competitive at home, but it makes us not competitive around the world. Um, You know, there's all these, like, it, it concentrates power so that, like, people, you know, there's less demand for workers, you know, all these bad things. Um, so why why Ticketmaster? Why now? Especially in light of all these other examples you just li- laid out, like Facebook and um, Google, to some extent, probably Apple. You know, there's all these other like bigger, bigger targets. So why Ticketmaster and Live Nation? Yeah, um, well, I think there are a few different reasons. There are obviously dozens of monopolies we could address on a daily basis. And uh, one reason that the live entertainment space is interesting now is partially be to, due to post-COVID. That area has changed a lot. There was uh, you know, harm to the industry in general where independent venues couldn't really survive. They couldn't host events. But also, uh, and this is sort of what led us to the issue, there has been a growing uh, movement within the Senate and within lawmakers who have kind of wanted regulators to look at the merger of Live Nation Ticketmaster and address their failure to abide by the consent decree that was agreed upon when the merger was initially uh, consummated. So back in 2010, when the merger happened, uh, regulators said you, one, need to spin off your a ticketing service that you have. You also need to license the ticketing software to competitors. And you can't retaliate against venues that don't want to use your ticketing service. Um, They were found to have violated that. And in 2019, they agreed to uh, basically an antitrust lawyer that would be in-house and making sure they they committed themselves to that agreement. But also the consent decree would advance for another five and a half years. So they have to continue with those commitments um, for a couple more years. And it's come out that that just probably isn't the case that they right. still are not actually uh, are not actually doing those things. Um, they certainly are, at least from what we've heard, you know, retaliating against the venues that don't want to use their service. Um, and that's part of the reason they're able to do that is because they have this vertical integration, which is the idea that they own the ticketing service, they have these exclusive agreements or outright, outright own the venues. They are the concert promoters. That's what Live Nation was before it merged with Ticketmaster. And then they also own the artist management companies, some of the largest. So back in the day, right before the merger, Ticketmaster bought Frontline Management, which was the the artist management company for, Mm -hmm. I think it was um, like Madonna, some some very big names at the time. Um, And so their ability- Madonna's still a big name. True, true, true. Um, but Morgan's waiting for that new Madonna tour, I can tell. Right? I mean, you know, she's in her 60s, still killing it. We can go with that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But their ability to uh, to harm these venues is kind of many fold. They're, they can either not help them with getting some of the concerts that they would otherwise be able to book, 
or not use ticketing services that are necessary to reach the fans that they want. Um, so this led to Senator Blumenthal and Amy Klobuchar to write a letter most recently this year in 2022, asking the Department of Justice to relook at the, the merger and their actual commitments to the consent decree. So that's kind of why now. Yeah. And the, the consent decree is important because it's rare that they'll go back and like really like extend the thing, right? Uh, like a consent decree um, because they've identified bad behavior. So that would typically point you to the idea that there is something not right there. Um, I think it's helpful to people too to understand because like, you know, antitrust can get a little fuzzy. Um, my belief here is that taking on something that's like really public and people can understand is probably a good way to illustrate antitrust uh, implications. Do you have specific examples of people? And, and I, I think I know the answer is no, because people can't, won't go on record, which is probably an indication that something's up. Right. Um, but do you have any specific examples where, that you can point to where people where, where there's been behavior that would go against the consent decree or um, that highlight your argument? Well, as you said, it's very hard to nail some of these down because people are afraid of um, the retaliation. Off the record, they're like, yeah, totally like they're, they're your best friends about this stuff. On the record, yeah. I, I can't say a word. Yeah, I understand. But but they were I mean, part of it is that they did find violations to the initial consent decree uh, on the anti-retaliation side of things. So they they did violate it back in prior to 2019 when they had to recommit. Um, and at least one band that went out on uh, Instagram Live talking about some of their dealings with Ticketmaster, uh, Lawrence, the band, they spoke about how they've tried to really avoid the monopoly power of Live Nation Ticketmaster and created their own ticketing service. But then when they come to a venue that has an exclusive agreement, they're unable to use the ticketing service that they built in-house. It's on their their website. Um, and there, there are many ways in which bands see that anti-competitive behavior. It's, you know, one could argue is that actually that's not um, retaliating against the venue because they have the exclusive agreement with the venue, but oftentimes the exclusive agreement is just because that's an unnecessary thing for the venue to stay alive and to keep right. the one to keep the big artists that that will you know perform at the venues that host five thousand or more people, but also to be able to use the ticketing service that has the largest um, range of fans. Yeah. And and Lawrence the band the, the band Lawrence Lawrence the band however you say it, you know that that they're not even like big star or like superstars because this goes back this battle this fight about right. control goes back to when i was a kid and pearl jam was the biggest band in the world and they were um they were fighting ticketmaster and they like went to congress and like stood up and um they were like pretty much like had their their um career like roadblocked Right. Uh, you know, they couldn't go on tour. They couldn't, you know, in a way that they wanted to. They couldn't control the prices in the way that was 30 years ago, almost. Yeah. Right. So you're telling me it's gotten worse. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, I, I asked that question like an idiot on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> Just so you know. 
Yeah. Well, and this is and this is the important thing, Dave, too. I mean, I, I think a lot of times what we find is everybody's everybody's living their life, right? It's like you mm -hmm. have your job, you have your market, you have your industry that you're focused on, and you think what's happening to you is unique. But that's the crazy thing is once you start, again, looking across the economy, you know, the there's a pearl jam in almost every market we look at. Somebody that has tried to challenge the system got their, you know what, handed to mm -hmm. them and then yeah. has to just deal with it. And other people are terrified of making the same kind of move. So, you know, that's why it's so important in this, this, era that we're in right now yep. where the Department of Justice is actually getting its act together and not mm -hmm. just saying, oh, you want to merge and you promise to be good. We've got you. You know, it's like, no, yeah. you have power. Pinky swear. Yeah, we cannot swear. we cannot rely on and, and it's not even and, and sometimes, you know, this is this can be painted as like anti-business. It's like, no, this is pro-business. This is making sure that it's yep. not just mm -hmm. one company that gets to make a lot of money. It's a whole ecosystem that gets to make a lot of money. And you need to have strong antitrust enforcement in order to do that. And, you know, just one additional thing there. So right now, the Department of Justice, Federal Trade Commission, the two main antitrust regulators in federal government, you know, are looking at merger guidelines. And, and they've gone through like an open comment period to get to hear from the public about what have the harms been of not having stronger review of mergers as they're coming before them. And, you know, we helped to to get voices from different mm -hmm. industries that were involved in that. And, you know, like 5,000 people participated in a Department of Justice comment session, right? Like, that's crazy. That's a lot of people. So um, the fact that we're already seeing, you know, the type of uh, participation in, in this campaign, I think is just another sign of how much frustration there is across the economy by small business owners, workers, fans, et cetera, um, yeah. to how much, you know, concentration has happened in, in the economy. Yeah. And Morgan, um, I, yeah, wait, Dave, I'll chime in really quickly right because there are two other things that are so interesting. As you said, the, you know, the environment has only gotten worse, um, especially since Pearl Jam, but back then in the nineties, Live Nation was rolling up all the regional promoters at the time, and they actually were investigated on antitrust grounds. Nothing, you know, there were no allegations, but it seemed anti-competitive. They were buying up competitors and that, you know, that has ramifications for artists, for concerts, and all of it. So that, you know, there were anti antitrust questions then, and now it comes from almost every angle. As Morgan was just saying, there's the merger guidelines and the ways that regulators are thinking about handling and kind of um, advancing those. But also uh, President Biden just spoke out about junk fees and yeah. the FTC and CFPB have really been trying to get a handle on the fact that services like Ticketmaster will put 75% of the face value as a fee for fans, and that's not something only happening in entertainment. It's happening whether you go try and book a hotel, whether you book a flight, really anywhere that these mm -hmm. these junk, so-called junk fees, are um, are also cropping up and needing you know regulatory response. But that was not a thing. You know, Live Nation was not doing that in the '90s. That wasn't a harm to fans or artists or workers back then. So we really are just seeing a layering on of the ways that this consolidation of power can continue yep. to manipulate and kind of obfuscate what's going on. Well, you've seen it too. Um, the junk fees thing was amazing because like the CFP, is it CFPB? I always get the You got it. Wrong. You got it. Oh, I nailed it. Nailed it. Winning. Um, <laughs> it, it was like four or 5,000 comments about junk fees and it wasn't even junk fees about tickets it's like so incredible that the connection between junk fees and tickets is so strong that like it was about banking 
and people were like, oh, yeah, Ticketmaster fees suck. And right. <laughs> from, you know, from a consumer standpoint, right, like somebody, you know, who goes to stuff and like, um, you know, tries to go through these processes. So I understand them. So like sometimes I'm talking about, like, look, imagine what this is like from the customer standpoint when I'm talking to executives or people around the world. Uh, I've seen those fees jump up from like, oh, you know, they might be like, you know, ten, fifteen dollars, right? Which is like a pain in the butt, but uh, you know, it's like maybe only five or ten percent of the ticket fee. So, like, I see them all the time. People send them to me, which um, I'm like, oh, I'm amazed by how people find me to send me these things. Mm-hmm. It, it, it'll be more than a hundred percent of the price of the ticket, you, you know. So, and and then they're um, and then this is one of those areas where they're like focusing on like limiting the ability to transfer tickets or limiting the ability of resale. And I understand people have a conflicted um, relationship sometimes with resale. Um, but to me, that hits at like this idea that like you can go even further with control so that like you can charge more in fees than the ticket value itself. And th- that seems to be a pretty like egregious behavior. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, I'm not a lawyer. I- I'm, not e- I'm not even halfway smart most of the time, but that seems like um, dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, just to, uh, an analogy, present an analogy to another market. So you mentioned Apple before. I mean, this is the same type of behavior that we see with like the app store, you know, so for the privilege of being able to share the app that you designed, that you created, that you took the risk of developing um, and put it out on the market, and there really aren't many markets to share it on other than the app store, you get to pay Apple, you know, like 30% (laughs) <laughs> of, yeah. of, the, of what you're making off of that just because For like the first Apple year right so. like yeah. it's like it's not just like going oh yeah you, you access to the store right away it goes on and on right like so if right. you make in-store and in-app purchases they still t- mm-hmm. bang you for 30 percent right right and and that like what is that right I mean that feels what I would describe as un-American. Yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> as, as we can all agree right. and define it. Yeah. And so, yeah, you know, this is, this is happening everywhere. And, 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 you know, and sometimes, and we certainly had these internal discussions because like Chris was saying, I mean, we could be looking at a bunch of monopolies. They're happening everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you decide? And this one might be in the realm of like, oh, well, you know, it's just like live events. It's just tickets. This is discretionary for people if you decide to go to a concert or a sporting event or whatever. But, you know, people are getting squeezed in every direction. We all are getting squeezed in every direction. It's like, okay, so your wages aren't going to keep up with the cost of living. Okay, so it's going to be really hard to buy a house, but at least you'll be able to like every once in a while take a break and like go see your favorite artist or sports team. And now if that also is becoming something that is only for the rich, what are we becoming here, right? I mean, seeing like some of the stories of people that were trying to get tickets to Blink-182, I, you know, I'm doing physical therapy right now. We don't need to get into that. Approaching 40, we're having like kinks, right? But, you know, the woman who works at the desk there, she's like, Mm -hmm. Hey, I, I'm I'm trying to go to see my favorite band from the '90s, and it's now like going to be $500 each. It's like, what's going on? And that just doesn't add up for people. So um, that's what's really the power here from our perspective is like we all like to do these things, regardless of mm-hmm. what your musical taste is, what your favorite team is. Yeah. Like this is something that is essential about our lives, and it doesn't seem fair that it should only be accessible if you have a ton of money. So let's make sure people understand that we've got a problem here. But again, there's something that we can do about it. So it's interesting that you brought up this thing about what it says about us culturally and as a society, because I've had the opportunity to um, talk with people and work with people in Asia and Southeast Asia and some of these emerging economies, right? Where, um, 
you know, like they're just creating a middle class. And one of the first things that the middle class wants to do is like have these forms of entertainment, right? So ticketing is exploding in Asia and Southeast Asia specifically for that, 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 um, that reason, right? It's like going, as soon as you have a sense of, um, security and stability in your life, you are looking for, um, a way to enjoy yourself. You're looking for a little bit more joy and, you know, and fun and mm-hmm. right. And, I don't know if I have data that backs this up or I don't know if this is like, I mean, I know I've talked to people about this and it comes through in conversations, but it feels like um, the financialization of the uh, live entertainment industry is really a net negative because, you know, like so much of the things like everything's a number and you lose the humanity of it. And I don't know if that goes into your calculations about this at all, but like, it seems like that's sort of the argument for more competition, more regulation, is it gives people a chance to express their freedom a little more, right? I mean, because if you you can be as free as you want, but if you have no choice, right, and, you're, you, and, and you have no no freedom that, that, that's real, what do you really have? And that and sometimes with like some of these arguments, right, it's like going, hey, you could be a, a huge fan, but if you never have a chance to go see a show. Right. And I'm not even saying go see your favorite band. I like, guess it's just like <laughs> any band. We, yeah. Right. I was going to say, like, I did the math on it one time. And I was like, oh, you know, my wife and I would do all right. Right. But it's like a thousand dollars to go out to a show, like between like the time you parked, the time you buy the tickets, maybe you go have a couple drinks before the show, you get yourself a T-shirt or something. It's a, people can't necessarily afford that. And I think that, you know, it's a little outside the scope of this, but like. I think that's why you see like the driving of the credit card debt, right? Like as soon as like mm-hmm. stuff opened up again, it's like, and it's like people are just grasping to hang on to like one little shred of like entertainment and joy. And, you know, I, I think I probably went off on a tangent, but that's, I, you, know, you know, how much do you see like all of these things go hand in hand? Absolutely. And I think the the other piece of this is not just who gets to go see it, but also how does this type of environment support artists? Like, can, you yeah. kind of have to have a ton of money to take a risk of going out, you know, trying to establish a name for yourself. A lot of times, yeah, you, you need to have a financial backing to make that risk, to have a gap of, of pay. And as we talked to some um, independent agent yesterday, he was describing how, you know, there is, it used to be the fact that these agents would make money on their largest uh, largest artists and mm-hmm. be able to reinvest it in emerging artists. And that's just not really the case anymore. You don't have that same recycling of, of financial backing. And so, yes, of course, it's a huge problem for fans to not be able to financially you know, have flexibility to see live events, but also for artists and for the actual environment of music and production and you know, not just music, but also sports events and all that. So it, it kind of goes on all angles of this is this is changing the way that America is able to support a thriving economy on all ends. And and that's one of the things, sorry, just one more thing I'll add. Yeah, to go ahead. Uh, that's one of the, the harms that we identify again in a bunch of different areas that have been monopolized is a lack of innovation. And, you know, a lot of this has been building for the past 40 years uh, as, as antitrust enforcement became less 
aggressive or consistent, uh, you, we are even, and then it's a bit of an irony, right? Because we have so much technology right now. It feels like life is very modern, but we're actually living in one of the least innovative periods in our country's history. And in this context, that looks like it's hard to be an artist doing things differently. Like if you can't monetize it to the level of, you know, being a, a Blink-182, Taylor Swift, whatever, then it might not be feasible for you to even get mm -hmm. your music out there. And so that's a problem because, yeah, we're not we're not exposed to as much. We don't have the diversity of talent. And, and then a lot of people who have that talent are going to be dissuaded from pursuing it as a career. Yeah. When they had the uh, what is it? The American Antitrust Institute had the ticket man, uh, had the ticketing um, panel a couple weeks back. Uh, one of the things that was most striking to me, uh, and it was something I knew, but I never like really. It was like something some one of the panelists said that made it stick with me was that like um, Bruce Springsteen's going to be fine. Bruce Springsteen's cool. Um, and like some of the smaller, like really like least well-known artists are going to be fine because they were always going to have to scramble and build their career. No, it's the artists that are in there's so, but there's this huge thing of people in the middle, artists in the middle, and they have absolutely no power because they are beholden on one side to like these big monopoly powers and these anti-competitive powers, but then they're big enough that like, they have all of these costs and like they need all this financial support and they have to take these financial risks to put on these um, shows and these tours. At the same time, these powers over here are telling them they have to go do certain things. And I, and I was thinking about like a, a band, probably like the Kings of Leon, who I don't know if either one of you know, know them, um, but they were. I remember really that. I haven't heard that in a while, but I remember that. Yeah, they were growing. <laughs> they were going to be. They were, and, and they they put out a couple like a really really great album, and then they were like building like smaller venues, smaller venues, and then they got put into arenas, and it was before their time, right? Mm. But and so like then it like kind of at least it seems like from the outside like it really harmed their career. And they had no way to fight it, I'm assuming, mm -hmm. because from what I understand, it's like going, it's a take it or leave it deal sometimes. And and one question I was going to ask is like, um, you know, because like sometimes the um, negative actions, the bad actions are overt. Um, and sometimes they're covert and they're not necessarily safe. It's like dealing with the mob, right? Um are you <laughs> yeah nobody can see you not mafioso are, yeah yeah no the, there <laughs> no is a mafioso element to all of yeah. this for sure <laughs> how how much of that in in your research on this have you seen become a problem you know is there a lot of like things that are happening um that, that aren't explicit that aren't being spelled out you know and it's like it, it's sort of like it would be um it'd be a shame if your uh your car drove off the road kind of behavior I think so. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, that's part of why people are not able to speak out about it. It's like kind yeah. of the number one indicator uh, that everyone is experiencing the same harms on the artist side, the venue side, the fan side, and they're really, there's no action to be taken. And, you know, the idea of keeping corporations accountable is something that we, people are told, you know, vote with your dollar when it comes to like cor corporate action and, and who do you want to actually support. But 
a big part of the monopoly. How do you do that though? When they, uh, when they, when like some a company has eighty-two percent exactly. of you can't the vent. Really right, can't. right, yeah. Boycotting. And, I mean, it's a nice tactic, but it's not going to solve the problem. <laughs> it would be exactly. great, except for I, that means I just would never go anywhere, and I don't think that's right feasible. Well, and and uh, that's the same with airlines. Where if and the one thing I was going to say about this is, which is kind of. <laughs> the mafia type uh, activity is they don't they don't have a customer health line right like you if you want to want to explain <laughs> yes. a harm you're going to waste 4 hours of your time to say either i need a refund something happened with and that's not just to ticketmaster that's with airline that's what i think it was american airlines that just doesn't have a phone number to call right. which which it's is the decline crazy. of customer service it's, across everywhere, right? Exactly. Like, and like, God forbid never... you want to talk, call Amazon. Yeah, oh, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Hours <those> lost. <laughs> the types of things that like you. That and those are taxes. Like exactly. in, in, in the most elemental way, those are hidden taxes, right? Mm -hmm. it, 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 this covers like so much of the stuff that I like, I will rant and rave about in my private life. It's like going, you know, the fact that like, um, you know, they're, oh, low taxes. I go, the fact that like my roll, road is potholed as fast as they can fill them. It's like the fact that I have to replace my tires so often, it's a hidden tax. Mm -hmm. The fact that like you can't find, get customer service, that's a hidden tax. It takes four or five hours to like sitting on the phone waiting to talk to somebody. That's a tax, right? The the fees here on tickets, that's, that's a direct tax. It's a tax on, mm -hmm. you know, you having the ability to have fun and- mm -hmm. I'm curious because there's going to be a lot of um, brokers that listen to this, a lot of guys on the secondary market. Um, I know that like the secondary market is slightly more competitive than the primary market. I, um, you know, I would say there's probably six, you know, six or seven like re like sort of significant competitors in that market. Um, how, and they're going to be like, and I know the argument because I, they send me the argument and they tell me, you know, in, in, in the face group, Facebook groups or like in the um, chats and the Slack channels, um, Ticketmaster resale pays me uh, faster and better fees. So they don't see the harm. What do I tell them? Well, first, I just want to clarify that. Uh, so, you know, we launched this campaign, Break Up Ticketmaster, mm -hmm. and it's a coalition of a lot of different groups um, that have different views on the secondary market. And so, you know, as we respond in this area, just speaking as American Economic Liberties Project and not on behalf of the coalition. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, no, I mean, and th this is something that is important for people to know is like, OK, maybe it's working for you now, but they because they have this power and there aren't any choices and you're not really free, even though it might feel the moment that you're kind of free, that they can change the terms of that arrangement whenever they want. So now they're paying you, you know, the repay rate is pretty great. But if they decide that it's not going to be so great, then you just have to deal with that and it might become right. Uh, you know, unsustainable for you as a as a business as a broker, uh, and we all, and then also behind the scenes, and this gets at you know it is a little bit of like a changing of uh, perspective, I suppose. But something that we were talking about earlier is like, okay, maybe you're okay in the moment, but what's mm -hmm. happening around you to other actors in this industry is not going to keep up, right? If artists decide that they're going to opt out, if there aren't as many venues, it's like it might 
impact your business down the line in ways that are unpredictable right now. And so um, it's important to like have more awareness and that's part of the purpose of the campaign to tell more of the story of these impacts so that folks mm -hmm. have a real comprehensive understanding of what's taking mm -hmm. place in the market and then making decisions about, you know, what, what they want out of their, out of their business and, and what's the, you know, the best course. And it's not, and again, this is important for us to emphasize. It's not that we're advocating to get rid of Live Nation Ticketmaster, you know, full stop. It's yeah. making sure that there can be other people in the market that have power um, mm -hmm. and that are able to make money and hopefully, you know, as many of those as possible. Right. And Morgan, kind of on like one analogy is with Amazon and third party sellers, because whenever whenever Amazon wants, it can look at and it has looked into the data of the most successful third party sellers. It'll copy their product. Mm -hmm. It'll kick them off the platform in ways that you can't actually address again because there's no number that works. Really. Right. You can't. You mean those all out. birds weren't real? <laughs> exactly. Um, but that, I mean, it's the same dynamic with this, where you might be, it might actually really help your business. The Ticketmaster's platform, the secondary market might be great in the moment, but the fact that they hold all the power leaves you on a win that is not sustainable. It's harming yeah. generally the ecosystem around you, as Morgan said. And and so having a slightly longer term perspective really does uh, allow you to see where the harms can can come in. Yeah. And the data piece, I'm glad you mentioned that, Krista, because the data piece of this is huge. And this is the other, so financialization happening, you know, across the economy, that lays the groundwork for monopolies to accelerate, you know, in their concentration of power. And then the other thing that helps to accelerate that is the collection of data with the use of technology. So that's in big tech, you know, like Amazon, Apple, like we've already been talking about, that's definitely here. That's in like healthcare right now yeah. with the insurance companies merging with, um, you know, pharmacy benefit managers and, and uh, all of that. So the data piece of this is huge and that we don't, you don't have power over the data. Nobody has power over the data that is concentrated as well in the monopoly in Live Nation Ticketmaster. And then I think it even goes a step further because again, harking back to the panel that I was at a couple of weeks ago, I think it was Brian Hess. And if it's not Brian, somebody said, and it was really interesting because it brings up a really great point about the facial recognition and the biometric data. Mm -hmm. Do you really mm -hmm. trust Ticketmaster or Live Nation with your biometric data. And I was like, going, no, I don't think I trust anybody with anything at this point, but no. that's me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's not but the it, it keeps getting there. deeper that's and deeper. Just, yeah. That's what yeah. we know that. We know that that's not being used to help us. We know that that's being used to, you know, to, uh, mar market certain products to us. And what, what are the deals that they're making on the back end and how much money are they making off of us? None of this stuff is free. And, you know, big tech, I think, is an example where people kind of feel like these products are free. It's maybe a little clearer that Live Nation yeah. Ticketmaster mm -hmm. it is not free, but, you know, the harm is there nonetheless. And and again, you know, it's like we just don't know where they're going with this because we don't have any transparency over what's happening. You mean it's not a good idea that, like, uh, uh, Alexa served me up some ads for some stuff that I was <laughs> talking about just, like, sort of randomly? Right. I yeah. would have never guessed that was probably not cool. <laughs> I know. No, this it's is like this everywhere. Is like totally, yeah, it's, it's nuts. Um, so how can people um, find out more about what you're working on? Because I, I think, um, and, and and I guess there's a two-part question. Like, I, I, how where can people go to find out more about what you're working on? But then um, 
the second part of this is to be like, I believe that like the challenge that you're dealing with, and I think you understand this, is educating people because antitrust and monopoly power, they can be kind of esoteric. And you, yeah. and Morgan brought up the idea that like antitrust enforcement has been a little lax for the last 40 years. And I would say looking at the landscape, lax is probably generous. Um, <laughs> yeah, you, you I know, was being diplomatic. Almost, yeah, almost non-existent in most right. cases is probably Asleep at the wheel to, could be afraid. Yeah, of you know, we yeah. can do, we can go, we can go down these battles. And I, I'm with you. I'm not necessarily saying you, you that Ticketmaster and Live Nation are bad. You know, I, I often have even said to like one, if I were in the same position, I'd be doing the same thing because that's like it, it is the government's job to regulate and maintain a competitive market. That's, you know, this idea of the free hand is bullshit. Right. I mean, that's like it's the biggest garbage that like has been sold to people uh, because there's no such thing as like an openly free market because everybody's always jockeying to get gain some kind of advantage and control. The government's job is to help make sure that there's competition and they want comp and you want competition because it leads to innovation. It helps the economy uh, produce more value. It helps people get better work wages. It helps create more jobs. Uh, it makes for a more vibrant society. It, you know, it, there's all these positive things. And, and the fact that like we've gotten this far down the road where people are blind to that is a um, anybody who tells you marketing doesn't work I just point to the last couple of years mm -hmm. and tell them like going like because some of this stuff is just obnoxiously bad. Mm -hmm. um, so I think education and understanding this is like huge. So uh, after my rant, you know, where can people <laughs> find out more? Well, I, no, I appreciate the rant, Dave, because that's the other that's the other thing it's important to note. Like, this this isn't uh, partisan. We're living in what feels like a yeah. very partisan mm -hmm. era, but. Um, as we noted, the problems have been mounting over the last 40 years. Folks probably aware we've had lots of different administrations during those 40 years yeah. from different parties. And now we have folks from different parties that are also speaking out on these issues and, and yeah. trying to push for better enforcement. So uh, I think that is it's reflective. And one of the reasons why I'm really excited about you know, antitrust competition policy in this moment is it's reflective of the American public, which more or less agrees with everything that we're talking about and isn't that far apart. So yeah. um, let's just like all come together and get it done. So how people can specifically engage in this campaign. So you know, our website, Breakup Ticketmaster is the coalition site. There's a link there that will take you to, um, to actually send a letter to Department of Justice. Very exciting to be on the show now because we've past the 10,000 letter mark uh, very recently. This has been like really awesome to watch too, because like within like 24 hours, it was 4,000 people. Yeah. And that was like pretty, that was pretty amazing. So I mean, that was a really well done thing. I, I want to applaud you for that. That was great. Oh no, and, de and definitely a coalition effort. And then now we've gotten a little boost from Swifties, which I'll admit is a term I did not know two days ago, but I'm embracing fully the Taylor Swift fans of- I thought Morgan was going to be the hippest one of us. <laughs> oh no, no. I no. Swifties. <laughs> no, I'm like so bad. Yeah, no, no idea. But um, but they gave us a little boost after experiencing whatever that wait, you know, three hour wait time to get enough oh, yes, tickets and all of that. Nice. Yeah. So, you know, things like that. This is grassroots. We want as many people as possible. Reach out to us. You can contact, you know, me or Krista. We're both on Twitter and, uh, you know, economic liberty info at economic liberties us our website, but whatever reach out to us. We're very accessible and we want to have folks spread the word about this. We want to hit 50,000 letters and we're on our way. 
uh, because that is what, why does that matter? That's a question we get a lot. Like what are, okay, we're sending letters, but who cares? Well, in order for government to act, you know, they have to know that yeah. there's a big problem and there's a lot of issues that they have to deal with and what to yeah. prioritize. And so, you know, getting this type of engagement from people will help with that. And then also just hearing more stories so we can continue to educate the public about the nature of these harms and bring transparency to the market. So if anyone wants to talk, we would love to, we would love to hear from you. Yeah. yeah, on or offline. We're, we understand this is a, a sensitive subject, so we're happy to talk in ways that are, you know, will not become public just for our own education and to be able to educate mm -hmm. regulators. Or if you want to, you know, speak out and host a large event, we're also happy to support that. <laughs> I, I, can I get an invitation to that large event? That would be pretty funny. Uh, that would oh, yeah. Be pretty great. Um, Dave, you're, I, you're one of the speakers. Be ready. Oh, well, like, gosh, nobody needs that. But thank you so much. Um, yeah. I, I, and I would tell you, uh, people, I don't know if this is there. There's a book I point people to to understand uh, antitrust regulation. I think he might be a part of your co coalition, but there's a book called Goliath by uh, Matthew Stoller. And yes. uh, I've heard of point him. that. Yeah, I was going to say I've given that book away several times because people are like going, I was like, going, I read this really interesting antitrust book. Uh, so cool. I would point people towards that one. And um, I want to thank you for doing this. Uh, you know, I know this is like hard and can often feel like thankless work. Um, the idea of uh, fighting monopoly power, I, I think, is like so important now because of like so many of the um, challenges that we're facing as a country you know, or and that the world's dealing with is really driven by this lack of uh, antitrust enforcement, even if people can't always see it. At least that's my point of view. And, you know, I, I, again, I'm everywhere I go just trying to introduce more competition because, I mean, you know, I'm, as a greedy marketer, the more competition that there are, there's more need for me. More so, um, but, yeah, it's good. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. I, I mean, I'm going I'm not completely like a, a saint in this thing. I, was like, oh, I like to get make money as much as anybody else. So, uh, but thank you so much for taking the time to do the podcast. I, I, uh, I'm really like grateful for all the time you spent like walking me through all of this. So. No, thank you. A pleasure. Thanks, Dave. We'd be happy to come back anytime. Let me know what you think about this conversation. Send me an email. It is my name, daviddavewakeman.com. Please visit my website. It's davewakeman.com. Get the Talking Tickets newsletter. Uh, it's specifically for people who market and sell uh, live events in sports, concerts, theater, opera, all of that stuff. Uh, Talkingtickets.substack.com. Make sure that you give Krista and Morgan the American Economic Liberties Project. Uh, give them a follow on the social media. Check out everything that they're doing. Um, I'm sure that they're going to keep offering up data points. They're going to keep offering up... Uh, ideas around this. Again, my viewpoint on it is from the idea of competition and how less competition equals lower wages. It equals less innovation, uh, less opportunity. Um, you know, but there's different, different angles depending on where you are in the industry uh, that this might make, make sense to you. It also is completely possible that you don't see the, the value in that at all. Um, you know, so I, I'm really looking forward to getting your feedback from this. So send me a note again, daviddavewakeman.com. As I have said over and over again, you know, this period, the last few years, uh, I'm waving my arm, even as I say this, has been really difficult on people. If you're feeling uh, kind of beat down, alone, uh, send me a note, daviddavewakeman.com. I'm happy to, like, shoot the breeze with you. 
crack some really terrible dad jokes. Uh, you know, just be there as a, a someone like you can lean on a little bit. You know, it's the least I can do. So, um, because people have been there for me over the years. So, um, thank you so much for listening to this. Uh, as always, I couldn't do it without you. So, I'll talk to you all again soon. Take it easy.